Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. And we have a lot to talk about this morning. It's Wednesday. I think it's still Wednesday. Is it still Wednesday? It's still Wednesday. And today is Wednesday the 30th. So it's almost Halloween. Yeah, the countdown to Halloween. My kids are grown, so Halloween is party time. You know what I mean? People go out to parties now for Halloween. But uh, it's Wednesday, and we have a lot to talk about. It's something that has been trending across the news cycles and across all of us, uh, across our consciousness. If, if you're anybody, and if you're anywhere on this planet, I know that everybody is thinking about the, the wildfires in California and what it means for people who are caught up in it. So I took the opportunity to read a New York Times article on what happens and how the California wildfires are highlighting the wealth gap, the gap between the very rich and the very poor. And I am telling you, like everything else in this country, America is getting closer and closer to a society built around money and class and a society where equality is less and less a factor. Because the more you realize it, the prices that we pay for goods and services, the prices we pay for food, the prices we pay for clothing, the prices we pay for our cell phones, the prices we pay, is highlighting a difference. It's creating a wealth gap. And, there, and it's amazing because in former times, people went to work, you grew up, you went to work, you worked for 30 years, you got a salary, so you could be middle class. So you could buy a house, you could afford health insurance, you could afford car insurance, you could afford house insurance. But you didn't have a minimum wage job. You didn't have a job that paid you less than a living wage. You had a job that you could live, that you could save money, pay off your 30-year mortgage, and, and have something for retirement. That has left and evaporated from the American system. That is no longer what America is like. After 2008, everything just went belly up and everything just went crazy. And when all the juggling was done, what was left was boom, there is a gap between the very rich and the very poor. And so who are the very rich? Anybody who has over a million dollars cash in the bank is somebody who is rich, right? And so what we're seeing in California, have you ever wondered what happens to ordinary people who have a regular job where they earn 14, 15, 16 dollars an hour and who have uh, and who have <laughs> who, who they live in an apartment or they might own a little home but they can't afford the extreme rates for fire insurance. Just think about it for a minute. I was an insurance underwriter for many years for some years. And as an underwriter, one of the things you are required to do is to assess risk, right? And so you look at the risk and you determine if this is enough, is this enough for people? Is this enough to how much is the insurance company going to make if they uh, underwrite this risk? How much the we used to call it exposure. What is the exposure? The exposure just means if something were to happen, what would the insurance company do? And what we are finding now is that the insurance companies are looking at the California wildfires and they're like, I have to charge more because my exposure is greater because chances of a wildfire in California, especially in Southern California, is way greater than say chances of a wildfire here in Michigan. We almost never have wildfires in Michigan because number one, we have rain most of the year. Number two, it just doesn't happen. We have a lot of water around the Great Lakes. That alone causes precipitation and that produces rain. 
So in California, they don't have lakes. What they have are sea, they have this big, great coast out there. And then the salt water is coming over the land. There, there's not enough vegetation on the land. So it's, 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 it's a, it's, you know, it's a breeding ground for wildfires. So an, an insurance underwriter, insurers are looking at that exposure is too great. Therefore, they are going to charge higher rates. Well, if you're earning, the, the cost of living in California is already high, right? And we know that wages do not match up. Notice we say wages, not salaries. There's a difference, right? Uh, so wages do not match up. And consequently, people are earning less than they should. And what happens to those people? What happens to people who lose their home? You, their, their apartment building burns down. And you know what's the worst part? You lose your job because the job that you were working at the McDonald's or the job you were working at the residential facility or the office building, that job also evaporates because the building is burned down. And the employer who might've had insurance on himself, he takes the insurance money and he's like, forget this, I don't need this. I can do better, right? I don't have to do this. The risk and the exposure is too great. So what we're finding is that there is a gap in California caused by the wildfires. And I, I'm not kidding you, I don't wanna, you know, it's, this is not a conspiracy theory kind of thing where people say, well, they did something to Katrina to drive black people out and poor people out of, uh, what was that, uh, Louisiana, out of New Orleans. That's not the same thing here. Wildfires have been happening in California for decades now. And it is something that somehow they seem not to be able to contain. So I was reading this New York Times article, and in the article, they present and posit that uh, people who are wealthy are able to insure their homes, and sometimes when they collect the insurance money, they're able to build better homes that are more fire resistant, which makes, I'll come back to that, because you and I are wondering why the homes were just burning anyway, <laughs> right? And so they're able to recover more quickly than people who don't have money. For instance, I was reading one article where people, somebody, their house, they lost their house, their home. They decided to rebuild on the same lot. Sometimes people even buy a bigger lot. They decided to build on the same lot. And in building on the same lot, what happened was they were able to uh, present, they got the million dollar payout but to build the home of their dreams, they spent another million out of pocket. They consider themselves very blessed. Then there's the opposite end of the spectrum. This woman was living in a cabin that she couldn't afford to insure. You know, she had a little job at the residential facility. She couldn't afford to insure her cabin. And so when the fire came, it incinerated a whole town and she lost her cabin and she also lost her job. She had to go back home her whole life upended, she broke up with her boyfriend and she had to go back home to her state, her home state of Georgia to, to restart. These are the, this is what we're talking about, the wealth gap. On the one end of the spectrum, you had this couple who could rebuild and could rebuild with the money they had, right? And build a substantial home with the money they had. And at the other end of the spectrum, you had this, this woman who had to go back home to Georgia because she couldn't afford to, to rebuild because she couldn't afford to insure her cabin. Now, 
we have to ask ourselves the question, was this designed to happen this way or was this just a casualty? I mean, don't get me wrong, the wildfires are no respecter of person. When it comes, it just burns everybody's house down. I mean, LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger took to Twitter to tweet that they had to be evacuated from their homes because of the wildfires. And they were driving around looking for a hotel to stay because of, you know, especially LeBron James with his family. Uh, and it makes you wonder, but they didn't lose their homes. So there are a couple of things that come to my mind, for instance. I'm like, then what kind of houses are you building in California? Because it seems to me, uh, in reading this article, the homes that are rebuilt are safer and more fire resistant. So you're telling me you could have built that from the beginning, <laughs> right? Did you just build a home, a house made of cinder blocks with paper cardboard walls? It's something that we in the United States have to think about because our homes are not as strong as they should be. I lived in Orlando, Florida, and I remember uh, they had modified after Hurricane Andrew, I think it was in 1992, they had modified the existing uh, construction so that people, you could, it had more straps to hold the roof down. But if the house still went up in six months, how can you build a house in six months and that's a house? You, you know what I mean? And, I'm, and I was still like, I was amazed that the way they build houses in America, the way houses are built, they're not real. So a wind comes and it can topple over because the houses are not made of cement. They're not made of cement block with reinforced steel and concrete. Where I come from in the Caribbean, houses are solid. They're not made of, you know, paper. The, a retaining wall, a wall inside the house is not made of paper. You see what I'm saying? It's made of reinforced concrete blocks. You know, they use cement to make blocks and then they mix the concrete and pour it into the blocks with steel to reinforce the structure. Consequently, it takes an earthquake to destroy that and a very strong earthquake, no less, right? So it, it, it's much like how the towers are built. Really tall buildings are probably built better than houses because in order for them to move, they use steel pipes to hold them up and they, they also use concrete to hold them up, right? So they're built better than, uh, than, than, than houses. And I'm saying all of that because whilst it's a commentary to look at the wealth gap, right? Whilst it's, it's just, but it's someone's life. And I'm saying to folks, before you get on a plane, pack up everything you have, and move to Southern California, know what you're being exposed to. Because a lot of people say, I'm going to LA because the weather is better, especially folks from the Midwest, <laughs> right? And the Northern part of the country. Well, there are more opportunities there. Chances are I can get a job there. The economy has changed in America. It's not what it used to be. And what it is now is that we're, econ we're an economy and we're, we've become a society where money matters more than it did. It's almost like in progressing, we sort of regressed because now we're going back to me, it's, it's kind of scary to think about the days of the industrial revolution where people could be bought and sold and people's bodies were commodified because you have no value, because you don't have. The moral code of the society has changed. 
and I know a lot of you are saying, but Harry, it's just simply economics. Well, move to California and then tell me I could move to California because I couldn't afford it. I could not pay those stupendous insurance rates and to buy a house there and to pay those rates is astronomical. Why would I want to do that? First of all, I like California. I don't like the wildfires. I don't like the earthquakes. I can't live in that kind of uncertainty. I don't care how great the weather is. When I want great weather, I go south to Georgia, you know, Florida or something like that. Take a break for a while. I don't have to live in it all year round. But at the same time, there is this huge wealth gap that is exemplified and typified by the wildfires. And I've, I, it has come to my attention because I've been thinking about it. What happens to all those people whom you see lined up who are living in shelters? Where do you go after that? Because when the wildfire comes through an area, your job is gone. So if you have no job, you have no ability to recover, right? And people are losing their homes and their way of life. Many people have had to uproot and go back home. I, I, I've seen people, I have a relative, for instance, who moved from Los Angeles, she and her husband and their kids. They moved from LA back to Georgia because they felt like it didn't, it didn't make sense. She said, I couldn't do it anymore. She says the wildfires were too much. And one close call was enough, put the house on the market, sold it, moved to Georgia, and boom, they're out of there. They're like, I don't have to worry about anything. Maybe a little snow, great, right? But the point is, is how it highlights this, 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 this wealth gap. And it's something to think about because when you think about it, how do people survive? I've been asking myself this question. All those folks, all the images I've seen of people lined up in shelters, right? Uh, and I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Because you can't stay in the shelter forever, but you don't have a home to go back to. What are you going to do? And it also makes you wonder, did these folks not know that the wildfires were coming? Or did they think that this year, by the luck of God, that it would have passed them by? It's something to think about. It's something that you have to think about. I mean, here in Michigan, I worry about ice and snow. I worry that I pray that it doesn't snow too much. You don't want it to be too heavy on your roof, but then you think that your roof is uh, built for it. You don't want too much snow because then when it starts melting in the spring, then you know there's the opportunity for flooding, but then you can call the plumber and do a road rooting thing, I think, right? So, and I don't live in a flood prone zone. There are other folks who have to worry about that. We might have a problem next spring because the lakes are already very high. So the people who live in lakeside areas and lakefront areas might have to watch that next spring here in, in the Great Lakes because the lakes are already cresting. And if we have a heavy snow season, when the snow melts, then the, the lakes are going to be higher. So some folks may have to watch that. But then again, that too is going to typify the wealth gap because the people who live close to, well, to, to lakefront areas are typically wealthier. But what about the people who live a mile in if the waters come in? Do you see what I'm saying? Because the way insurance is written, it's not written in our favor. It's written in the favor of the insurance companies. They want, because they're taking and absorbing the risk, they want as much money. So how much they take in compared to how much they take out, please. That really is the issue, isn't it? 
How much money do they make? Insurance companies are wealthy for a reason. I've worked in insurance as an underwriter, so trust me. But I say that insurance companies are not in the business of losing money. They make money. So they look at a risk and they're going to charge you based on the risk. But what is happening to these folks? And I, for the life of me, I never imagined that you could live in a, an area that is prone to uh, wildfires and not be insured. I, I could not imagine that. I could not, because I wondered, this, I was wondering about that. I'm like, what's going to happen? So what happens? I never imagined that, but now I'm reading stories where people say that actually happened. One, like I told you the story about the woman who lived in a cabin that was uninsured. And then the wildfire came, burnt the whole town down. So she lost her job and lost the cabin that she lived in. What about people who have to use all their life savings, all their savings to just get through one wildfire? So you have $15,000, $20,000 saved up and a wildfire comes, yeah, you have some insurance, but you have to use that $20,000 to just survive and hope that next year you don't have another wildfire. By the time the insurance is settled and you rebuild, what, where do you live in the meantime? How do you survive? This is the thing. So even if the insurance company is going to pay you, where do you live in the time period between the time that you file the claim and the time that you get the money to start rebuilding, you got to live somewhere. What does that take? Money. My friends, it's all about the Benjamins. It's all about the Benjamins. We all have to go get that money, right? So, because it, it, this is telling us, if nothing else, it's telling us what is happening. In, and it's, it, it, it's across the country, wherever there are extremes in catastrophes. This is why when scientists talk about climate change, we should pay some attention because they're not just mouthing off on stuff. It, it's not just something that you should dismiss. There's a science to it. The science is not lying, right? There is something. I lived in Montego Bay, Jamaica, and there was a beach not far from my house that we used to frequent, myself and my then my ex-husband. And we used to go to this beach and it was nice and approachable, right? And about a year later, when we revisited that same beach, we noticed that we couldn't get to the sand because the water had come in. And the water had come in over the sand, so now that place was no longer seawater. Like seriously. So we moved a, f a little further up. Well, the following year, the same thing happened because you know during the cooler months of the year, you don't go to the beach. You tend to go to the beach from May onwards. And I could, or April or something like that. And I kid you not, that's when I first became aware that something was going on that was causing the seas to rise. At that time, I just thought it was the seas rising. You know, I attributed it to that. Then I moved to Florida and I had my first experience with a wildfire. It was the year Florida was burning, mid Florida was burning. I think it was 1999 or something. And I was like, are you kidding me? Seriously? <laughs> like I came all the way from the Caribbean to come here and end up in a wildfire. This has got to be epic. And I remember what it did passing through that wildfire. It was so hot that summer that Florida literally started burning and they couldn't contain it. Firefighters couldn't contain it because it started in the forest. And then at one point they were dredging uh, St. John's River to take the water out to flush the fires out. 
and it was so dry that the embers contributed you know the wind picked up and blew the embers it was crazy and you could see the smoke from our house I remember we had to go out and what we did was we took the hose and watered you know you you wet your roof down wet your house down I remember thinking the first thing I needed to do was consult my insurance policy make sure that <laughs> it covered damage right and the thing that also emerged from it were were animals the snakes and the alligators and so on where what happened to them well no, that's a sidebar I mean the alligators were in the lakes it was very hot you could see the alligators jumping in the lakes I was like this is too wild for me I think it was at that point I became aware that I probably would not enjoy living in Florida for much longer <laughs> because it was just crazy. I mean, that was a little bit too much on the Riviera for me, right? And so as time went on, you began to see that there, there must be something. There, there must be something connected to this. And how is this repaired? Well, there is no recovery. Once you you live in a flood prone zone and your house is lost, if it's not insured, you're not gonna get anything. You, if you don't have the means to rebuild your house, then you're not gonna recover. You have to move somewhere else, start all over again. Those kinds of life events produce a certain kind of trauma to people to be upended and uprooted is not a nice thing. Most of us pray for stability all the time so that then we work hard to ensure that we can maintain our lifestyles. One of the things that happened to me over the years was I became more and more earnest in making sure I had a home and owning a home. I didn't care where it was. I don't care where it's located, just a home because you don't want, if something happens like you lose a job, then you don't want to be displaced. And so many people are living in apartments, right? And, and people are not thinking it through. You're spending $1,100, $1,200 a month, $900 a month on apartment living. Plus you have to pay fees for parking. And because you want to live in a desirable area because you work and maybe your other friends do it and or your friends do it and you want you spend so much money in doing that whereas you probably would have a longer commute if you just bought a cheaper car and then have a longer commute and buy a house somewhere else that is going to cost you way less another place that this significantly happens is in san francisco the average income around there is almost a million dollars if you're not turning over a million dollars you can't live there so it's not unusual to find people live as far out as 60 miles away and commute to work in San Francisco because they can't afford to live in the city the wealth gap is widening widening and widening in the 19 after World War II it narrowed and we got to a place up until the 1970s where it was okay but then it started to creep in the 1980s i read a report recently that wages have not increased since 1971 to match the pace of inflation that's significant to look at so you're we're not earning as much to match inflation if you don't believe me just go to the grocery store and check out how much you're spending for groceries as opposed to what you spent last year and the year before and the year before it's ever increasing but we're not earning enough to match it Nobody is giving you an increase of 5% every year 
Nobody is giving you an increase. And don't go crazy on me and say, oh, well, I don't know what you're working. You probably are part of the 1% of the population. So congratulations and good for you. But for most people, most people are one paycheck away from disaster. I, I look at people all the time and you go and you take out this car note that's costing you four or $500 a month and you think you're living, right? And you are living in an apartment that is costing you upwards of nine, ten, nine hundred to a thousand a month, eleven hundred a month, plus your car note, plus your car insurance, and you're adding all of that up out of what you earn, and you take home thirty-five hundred dollars a month. You can't save anything to pay down on a house. What if you lose your job? What are you going to do? Where's the equity that you need to build so you have some stability later on in life? Do you see what I'm saying? We need to rethink. A generation ago, they didn't care about zip codes. What they cared about is having somewhere to live so when they retired, they didn't have to pay rent. In some urban areas like Detroit and, and other urban areas, with crime, people were driven out of the city. And so you find retired folks who had almost paid off their mortgages, gave up because they couldn't stand the crime and moved into areas where they either had to take out a new mortgage or they had to rent somewhere. And the lifestyle they imagined they would have had on retirement does not exist because of crime. Our society is changing. It's almost as if we're going through a silent revolution. It's underfoot. You can feel it and it shakes you. And I'm saying to all of us, if you haven't started saving, we need to start aggressively saving because you just never know what can happen and you don't want to be displaced. You don't want to be to find yourself with nothing, right? A friend of mine worked for the state and retired recently and she was giving thanks because now that she's retired, she has time to think. And when she thinks about, she's saving more money now retired because it's not costing her to, you know, go to work every day. So the gas is less, not buying as, not eating out as much, right? And of course, to dress up and go to work, replenishing your wardrobe consistently. So she's saving more. So her retirement pension is actually bolstering her because she feels better about it. And I know a few seniors who are like that. You know, they're retired, they're making money, they're getting their pensions, and they just live a normal, sedate life, right? We have to think, and if you're in California, my heart goes out to you. If you're in Southern California, my heart goes out to you in a way that you cannot begin to imagine. And if you've ever been in a disaster zone, especially a weather catastrophe, something that is outside of your control, it wasn't you who caused it, it was the weather, whether it was a hurricane or it was an earthquake or it was a flood, whatever it was, something happened that has caused you to be displaced. Trust me, I totally, totally pray for you because this is something that no one needs at any time in their lives. I don't, I don't like it that, you know, you like to think, okay, so I haven't, you start ticking the boxes up. So I have insurance for that. I have insurance for that. I have a little put away for that. But at the same time, who needs that? Who needs those things to be wiped away? Do you see what I'm saying? We don't earn enough to make it, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of just like, in thinking about the subject matter, it's kind of a serious subject matter, but I feel like I had to insert some humor 
so we all don't go oh my god oh my god because this is something to think about what about all those folks so if you see across social media i'm not talking about fake pages but if you see some sort of uh ad to help victims of fires in southern california i should look at it look into it because a lot of this is it's real what happens to these folks how do they recover like seriously what if it were you how would you recover if you had to lose your home and lose everything that goes with it how do you recover what do you say to yourself what do you say to folks it's the craziest thing i have never seen anything quite like it i don't understand it myself i, I don't quite get how this could have been a reality for all of us it we live in a day and time when weather catastrophes are going to become more the normal for the life of me i fail to see why nobody gets climate change uh because maybe they went a little bit overboard with it but the reality of the situation is that this is happening and if you don't believe me i want you to look at migratory patterns the world over if you notice people in the southern part of the world from africa and so on uh, uh